One thing that's important to be aware of, and this is something that really makes the spiritual journey simple. It's always been taught on this pathway. There's three things that all that is needed for this pathway. Number one, spiritual teacher. How the hell are you going to know about spirit unless you have somebody to show you, tell you, bring awareness present to it? Number two, initiation. It's called receiving the keys to the kingdom, the sacred name of God, or the way and means by which the soul can awaken to the divine living, loving essence. And number three is the action of meditation, applying that sacred name, beginning to work with and live what the spiritual teacher has given you and begin to have greater understanding and how to do that so you can really support yourself in your own journey of awakening spiritually. That's it. Simple. It's no more complicated than that. If you listen to the spiritual teacher and what they share, everything they share is all about assisting you, the soul that is in this body, in this physical consciousness, in this mind, in this emotions. It is about you. And the teacher's job is to help bring understanding and clarity But that's secondary. All the questions, all the information, all the teachings, as it's often called, that a teacher shares about the spiritual process of awakening and all that comes with it, called life itself, is really the secondary tool just to help give direction, clarity, understanding, motivation, entertainment, (laughs) whatever it may be that moves you to attend or listen. There's many roles in that regard, but the primary job or service that a teacher provides is really giving those keys to the kingdom, and that's it. After you receive those keys, or what we call the sacred name or unspoken name of God, once you have that, you have all that you need now to really enter upon and walk this greater journey of awakening, of loving of coming to know the greater truth of who you are and your oneness with God. That's it. And then the third part, the meditation, that's the part that's really up to you. The teacher gives you the information, the directions, the how-to, and then even gives you the keys to do that. But now it's up to you. You have a responsibility now to take what you've been given and begin to apply it into your own life, into your own action, your journey, to begin to really get the value or the benefit, the experience of what the teacher shares. Plain and simple. Keep it simple. In other words, what I'm sharing here is really coming back to basics. There's nothing magical, nothing mystical, nothing miraculous, nothing special about what we're doing here. Never has been. But yet when we really begin that journey of awakening and begin to discover and know more of that divine essence of who we are, it seems very magical, very miraculous, very amazing as we begin to know that greater truth of the divine behind all of creation. That's where really the mysteries are revealed, the true inner revelations of spirit. And that's always very special so to speak, from this physical point of view. But in truth, it's very ordinary. The soul and God are one. That's the truth. That's it. That's ordinary. 
And that's true for all of us, for everybody, regardless of one's physical experience in this world. The truth is we are all divine. And that's it. All the rest is just the details, or I like to say the entertainment. It's all entertainment. It's a big game. But once you understand how the game is and how it works, you can actually have a little fun playing it rather than getting so caught up in it. Like me, when I was a kid, when I'd get upset with a game and I wasn't winning, I'd throw the board up so nobody would win, right? (laughs) That's it. We're equal. Nobody wins. Nobody loses. It isn't that often what we do in life. We call it throwing our hands up, but aren't we really trying to throw up all the stuff in the game that we're caught up in and so upset about? Well, you know, what's wrong with that? Maybe that's really something inside of us that knows that we have to give up. Give it up. Isn't it funny where it's always up towards God? That always seems to be the direction. Well, in this creation, it is the direction. It's more vertical, up, right? We're going to go up, down to the pits of hell, okay? That's how it is. But when you really wake up spiritually, it doesn't matter. There is no direction. Down, up, sideways, in, out, does not matter. It is all spirit in every direction. And that's the truth really here, even in this physical creation. That's the real truth. But we have to first wake up to that divine truth of the soul that we are to really begin to have the greater experience of the truth of spirit rather than the illusion or linear experience that goes with this world of polarity, of duality. It's all duality, up and down. It's duality, left and right, in and out. It's all duality. All of it is duality. But we still have to speak in those terms while we're here in this physical experience because that's the experience here. And so spirit can function in and through all of that and by talking about it can begin to bring understanding to each of us so that we can begin to recognize in ourselves what that spirit is and how it functions through this creation. And that's often the biggest part of the journey here while we're in this physical world is just beginning to perceive or become aware and have the understanding of how that really works inside of us through all of this creation. When I say this creation, I'm talking about the world of time and space. Not just planet Earth, the physical, but also the astral or the imagination, the causal or the emotional, the mental, the mind, the unconscious, the etheric, all those different levels that I'm talking about here. And that's often where most of the time is spent for any teacher teaching this pathway because that's where the soul is caught up, is in all this illusion that it has gotten engrossed in and attached to. That's all it is. We've just gotten caught up in it. This is often called a realm of polarity. Polarity deals with magnetism, positive, negative. Things are being pulled together through a magnetic force or being propelled apart through a magnetic force. If you understand just a couple of little principles like that, you'll begin to even see in your own life, in your relationships, whether it's with peoples, places, things, events, whatever it is, you'll start to see that way too, how things are drawn to you or you're drawn towards certain things or pushed away. That's all duality and how that works here. So it can be nice, maybe help a little bit, but just having a little understanding, it's all duality or duality, it's all, 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 it's
creation that has polarized the nature. You know, we have a north and south pole on the planet. Isn't it funny, even in the hemispheres of the brain, we have the left and right side there. I always like to make the joke, in truth, we're all bipolar. And there's a little truth. We're all a little crazy, because that's happened. We get all excited. We get all depressed. And that's just part of this nature. But part of acknowledging it all that we try to do here is also to start to take off the charge of energy that we as humans will often put on things that we often call judgment or fears or expectations or desires. Those are the words that often it's all the energetic attachments that we will put on things that will hold us to it or hold it to us. It's really we, the soul, that are allowing ourselves to participate in these things that creates the attachments. In a lot of ways in this world, it looks like things are being done to us, but really that's the soul putting out the frequency to draw. That's the magnetic frequency. But that's only here in this realm of polarity. You want to learn how to become a great creator? Learn the laws of polarity and you'll learn how to draw the things to you you want in your life and how to propel away the things you don't. And that can be quite amazing. That's where a lot of people call it miracles or magic when we can learn to become a great metaphysician. And it's a lot of work. And it can be quite amazing that goes with that. And it can be fun for a while, but just like anything, it'll start to get old. And then we also get everything that comes with it. Because there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily nice that can come with all these fields of entertainment or polarity. Or another word that's used a lot is karma, because that's what all that is. All that is dealing with karma. But what's karma anyway? Just experience. All karma is is having experience. And it is through our experience that we really learn and become aware of what the experience is, what our karma is. This is not a journey of trying to clear karma, although it is. This is not a journey of trying to get rid of things, although that happens. This is a journey not of letting go, although that's called completion. So yes, it's all of that. Those are just, again, positive, negative expressions that we could give to the soul beginning to really let go of its experience in this world and beginning to wake up and have greater experience of the spiritual nature that it is of. And that's it. But the big other key action here is the meditation. That's really the key action that is up to each of you that want to enter into this journey. That's up to you. And there's a great freedom there. It's totally up to you what you want to do, how you want to do it, how little you want to do it, how much you want to do it, when you want to do it, whatever it is. The teacher's job is just to begin to give instruction or describe the action but then you have to begin to apply it and find that way that it can really work for you. And there's freedom there. This isn't one of a teacher telling you what to do. That's called control, by the way. This is a journey of self-empowerment, self-awakening, self-love. That's what we're doing here. That's why it's totally up to you. If you want to have all that, self-empowerment, self-awakening, self-love, Self-confidence, self-esteem, so selfish, I know it sounds like, but yet it's one of the most selfless and selfish things we can do is to really wake up to the divine that we are.
And that's how it is. It often seemed like a very selfish action at first, but then as you really come more aware and awake to that divine loving that you are and get empowered, and you start to see the games of the world and then the truth of the divine, you'll start to see how selfless this really is. And then not only love yourself, but begin to see really how you love others and love all of God's creation. But that love that we speak of is now beyond polarity. That love is one we often give the word loving to that is one of a neutrality that does not have a magnetic charge. I like to call it the great demagnetizer. When we're really living that loving of spirit, it demagnetizes the polar charge that bonds the soul to its experience in this physical creation. So as we learn to live more in that living, loving essence of who we are, it is neutral. And the neutrality itself releases the attachments. It releases those things that we have held to us. I like to often say karma is like gravity. It pulls us down. That energy field, that force, that pulls. A lot of us know it through emotions. When we get really emotional, get really heated, whether it's angry or sad or happy, you notice how much of a charge there is with that, all the energy in there? That gives you a good idea of what I'm talking about. It's that energy and what happens with that, what we do with it, what our experience is with that. That's the thing to pay attention to, and that's where we're going to really learn. And then, of course, all the thoughts that come with those feelings. And then all the fantasies we have of what we'd like to do with it. Well, I would love to tell them off. I'd love to be free of that. I would love to forgive myself. I would love to whatever. Oh, a lot of that's the imagination now coming into play of all the things we would like. And that's nice. But what about just being present? Just being rather than having to try to do something to direct our thoughts or feelings or even our actions and reactions? What if we could just be present? Well, haven't we heard those phrases throughout time? Be here, be in the now, be present, the divine present, the moment, be in the moment. What's all that about? Well, that action of meditation that we're given is a way to begin to apply this spiritual technique of awakening is a great tool that we've been given truly by God not a teacher physically, by God, as that action by which we can begin to be in the moment, be present, just be. Because it's in that place that we can now begin to awaken and be aware of what that living, loving essence of spirit is. And that's a lot of the work, if we can call it that. I know we talk about inner work here. In truth, it's not work. It's just loving. It is just being present. The work is trying to find our way through all the stuff, the polarity charges that would keep us from being just centered and present in that divine beingness. That's the work. Because that's all those charges that we've gotten so caught up in that we're finding our way through to come back to that presence of the divine. And this is where we do have a few other tools that are shared from time to time. In ILM, we've just called it LAF, laugh, loving, accepting, forgiving. 
Well, it's the same thing every teacher's talked about. We just given a fun little acronym that maybe is a little easier to remember so that we can begin to apply it and really begin to have more experience with it for ourselves. Simple way. But LAF is just an expression that comes out of this action of initiation and meditation. That is truly that essence of spirit. And that's just one way we've begun to share it here in ILM so that we each can begin to take that as a tool to see how we can apply that in our lives, in our own consciousness, to find our way through all of these things we're attached to. That's it. I'm using the word attachment a lot today. What are attachments? How do we get attached? Why do we get attached? Desire, lust, greed, power, yeah. All the energy, yeah. Follow your passion. Nobody says follow your compassion. Follow your passion, not your compassion. Yeah, go for the success. Make all the money you can. Power, greed. You don't hear people going, yeah, go for the neutrality, the unconditional loving. Yeah, peace, joy. Well, maybe he a little bit of that, but I know it's just not taught in the world, is it? Because it's not of the world. The world is not going to teach this. So part of it is not making the world wrong. The world does what it does. And if we can just acknowledge it and accept it the way it is, right away we're going to start to become more neutral and let go of our charge because we hate how the world is. I don't like how they do things. I wish they would change. In fact, I'm going to go make them change. I'm going to start a great organization and a great cause in the world to change the world. (laughs) I said that very neutrally. That's what happens, though. That's what happens. We're going to go change the world. What are we going to do? I'm going to force my will, I mean God's will, on the people. (laughs) It's what goes on. It doesn't matter what you call it. We all know what it is. And we all get caught up in these things from time to time. It's just part of the process. But do we make it wrong? Or do we just say, you know what? That's part of the experience of this world. I'm so grateful to have the experience here because this too is all part of God's creation. It's only one part. It's only one tree in the whole Garden of Eden, the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge. One tree in a whole garden. Well, what the heck is in the rest of the garden? Would you like to take a bite of those apples? Or maybe they're mangoes or some other kind of fruit or something, depending on your preference. There's a lot of other trees and plants, just like in this world. But right now, we've all taken a bite of that apple with the bad worm in it and have been sick ever since. You know, a lot of people call it giving up. Maybe we're throwing up is what we're doing, (laughs) trying to get rid of all that stuff. Well, that's often how it feels. But I'll tell you what, when we bit that apple, we probably thought it was a great journey, a wonderful ride. Wow, what is this whole kingdom that God has created that we do not know about? What is this whole kingdom here, this whole creation here? Maybe we really are the child of God, the soul, like little children that are just curious and love to go and explore, to have experience, to learn. Maybe that's what we all did. Maybe it's not good and evil. Maybe it's just experience. And the experience here appears like good and evil, pain and pleasure, right and wrong. It's the experience here. 
But if you would like to know the secrets of soul transcendence, soul liberation, spiritual awakening, if you would like to know those secrets, it's called laugh. Love, accept, and forgive. Those keys, that acronym is the secret by which the soul can really get liberated and detach from. You know, I know a lot of people, a lot of places, and people always think, I'm supposed to quiet my mind and not judge. You don't hear us talk about that in here. We're not trying to quiet the mind. We're not trying to not judge. To me, that's hopeless. Why set yourself up for a hopeless situation? Why not really go for what's more real and true and doable? How about something doable? How's that sound instead of more hopeless? So the loving, accepting, and forgiving is really now more of a doable action. That is, we begin to direct ourselves in those qualities that we can really begin to have some achievable results, if I want to quantify it. It is objective as well as subjective. It's both. There's no subjective or objective in this path. It encompasses all things. But a lot of the times, what do we do? We judge things, we make them wrong. And in that, that's how we create the bond of attachment. But then it's not called stop judging. It's called start loving, accepting, and forgiving is how we release those attachments to begin to set ourselves free from those things we've attached ourselves to. But what else does that? Judgment is usually the big one. Desire, power, greed, like I was saying earlier. All these things are the things we do inside of ourselves that create the attachments. But it's not about trying to stop that nature, because believe me, while you're in this world, it's part of the nature of the world, and that's the way it's going to function. If you try to change that, that's where I made the jokes earlier, good luck. You ain't going to change the world. Everybody's tried it ever since mankind has come on this planet, has tried to change it. Have they gotten very far? I don't know. Yeah, let's wipe out that race of people. That'll change it. Did that work? Well... Then the other ones come back, well, God, those people are so evil and terrible that wiped them out. Let's wipe them out. And on and on it goes. Doesn't change anything. It's the same old thing. And at some point, those souls that are on a journey, which we all are, are going to begin to recognize and say, what's really going on here? Yeah, history does repeat itself. And boy, another way history is spelled is S-T-U-P-I-D, right? That's not a judgment I'm doing right now. It's just an evaluation. But this is what we do. I make a lot of jokes because what happens when we get serious? What is the energy of seriosity? What is it? Isn't it usually based on some type of a judgment or a fear or a wrongness? Think about it. Look at it. Don't just think, look at it. When you get all serious or see other people get serious, isn't it usually uncomfortable, the energy that's running? Well, why is it so uncomfortable? What is that? What is that that is so uncomfortable in the word we've used as serious to describe it? Those are the things I'm talking about is to pay attention to. These words are nothing. The words just help to describe a movement of energy, of consciousness, of experience. It's in paying attention to our experience and learning from that experience that we can begin to now see to have more of that experience? Yeah, I love power, lust, and greed. It's awesome. Let me create more. Or you go, you know, 
I'm really sick to my stomach from this now. I want to find a way to start healing that sickness. Well, look at even these words. A lot of religious places call them evil and poisonous. Well, maybe those are good descriptions. Because that's often what it feels like or looks like or sounds like. But then what is the medicine we can take to begin to heal a lot of these ailments? Loving, accepting, forgiving. LAF, laugh. Laughter is always a great way to get through seriosity and any other word that creates those uncomfortable feelings that make you sick. Here's a spiritual healing. You apply laugh daily, and that'll be your spiritual healing to whatever ails you. That's really it. You want true spiritual healing? It's called learning your lessons, getting free of your karmas. But the getting free of the karmas and learning the lessons is a wonderful journey of loving, accepting, and forgiving, not of getting rid of, judging, making wrong, and trying to distance yourself from it. That creates more pain, separation, and sickness. It's through the loving, accepting, and forgiving, to embrace it through your loving. That doesn't mean physically you have to do anything with it. I'm not talking about physical actions here. We're talking about spiritual actions that we do in our consciousness, regardless of what's going on with the physical. We're not trying to change the physical on this pathway of soul liberation. We are trying to love, accept, and forgive it all and wake up to the truth of the divine that we are. That's very different. It is. This pathway is very different. I know a lot of people, when you try to describe this pathway to somebody, it's hard to describe, isn't it? That's why I always say, what do you guys do? I say, we teach meditation. (laughs) Oh, meditation? All right, I know what that is. Okay, great. Yeah, really, do you? I know, but it doesn't matter. It's all about the experience. And it's not even coming to the understanding of the experience. It's about loving it all. It is the loving that fulfills the experience so that we really awaken and have the fulfillment of the karma so that we learn the lesson there. Loving fulfills it. When we're in resistance and judgment and fear, oh yeah, that word fear, I didn't mention that one earlier, did I? Well, there you go. Fear, that's often the basis behind all these other deadly sins. All us sinners. I feel kind of preachy, churchy today. This is fun. (laughs) Ooh, fun, a new acronym, F-U-N. Forgiveness unconditionally neutralizes. (laughs) Why are we laughing? Why did you laugh at that? Seriously, why did you laugh? The truth will set you free. And laughter is often a sign of that freedom and joy that comes present when we let go of a lot of the attachments that cause the pain. That's the simplicity. Never anything, I hope, you're finding the entertainment and laughter here really serving and you're finding value in that, that it's not just joking around, but if you pay attention to the joking around and your experience that goes on even here, you'll begin to see how that moves in you and through you so you can do it anywhere. And that's what we would hope for you is that you can take what you experience, not just learn or hear here verbally, but take your experience inwardly that goes on here so that you can begin to see how you can live it day-to-day, moment-to-moment in your life. That's the real value of coming here to gather like this. 
to meditate together, to share. It's all about soul freedom. But what we're doing here is learning how to set the soul free. That's it. We're not trying to change the world. We're not trying to learn how to get rid of our judgments and fears. Because here's another key principle. What you focus on, you get. Energy follows thought. You're going to focus on your fear and getting rid of it. You're going to get more fear, and you're going to learn how it is to struggle trying to push fear away. This is how it works. But if you focus on loving, accepting, and forgiving and laughing, then that's what you're going to get more of. Again, it's simple. It's simple. Keep it simple. Often we'll get too preoccupied with so many different teachings, so many different techniques that we scatter our energy so thin and far that no technique is really supporting us to the greater extent that it could if we gave it more of our time and focus. I remember years ago when I did a lot of, I didn't have time for any kind of full-time work or family or friends or anything. I was so busy spending hours every day doing all kinds of spiritual, meditative, metaphysical techniques for healing, for awakening, for this, for that. And then I finally realized one day I was doing too much and I wasn't getting anywhere. And I finally realized, and I just said, you know what? I'm going to let everything go and just come back to the basics. Meditation and learning the principles of soul liberation. That's it. And that's all I do to this day. And ever since that day, my life has gotten simple. And in that simplicity, all the freedom started just awakening inside of me. So I just let go because I was trying so hard to liberate my soul. I was trying so hard. I was so trying <laughs> hard it was so hard I wasn't working hard enough because I was still stuck <laughs> the hell why isn't this stuff working everybody else says it works and then when I hear them share their life experience they're all depressed and miserable I'm going are you sure it's working because you don't seem too happy <laughs> and I was one of them not kidding. It woke me up. I remember one group I was in, there was like over a dozen people in this gathering. We went around and we each did a sharing, giving things up to God, putting things, you know, in the light type of stuff. Every single person, including myself, was putting all their depression and how miserable everything was. I'm like, what's going on here? Seriously, what is going on here? I thought this spiritual stuff supposed to be uplifting and liberating and joyful. This ain't no joy going on here. That woke my eyes up. That was one of the big awakenings for me. Just, you know, small gathering, you know, doing our spiritual stuff. I'm going, this isn't a spiritual support group. This is a depression support. <laughs> well, supporting our depression. I'm trying to get undepressed. That was the term then, undepressed. Well, where's my focus on the depression still? No, I was trying to get joyful and free and happy. But it's often those times and situations we find ourselves in to finally wake us up to what we're doing. Because believe me, this world of reflection will often reflect back to us a lot of what's going on inside of us. Not 100%. So don't try to live your life figuring out about yourself. Oh, what are they reflecting back to me? They're reflecting all kinds of garbage back to you. So what do you want? 
Do you want all the garbage and saying all this? Or would you rather focus on that divine light of loving that each of us shares with each other? That's what's behind all the reflection, but there's usually too much garbage all over the mirror to see that, but that's not reflection. On the mirror of reflection, all we're going to see is all the garbage. You've got to look beyond the mirror. That's why we focus up here. Everything down below here is the mirror of reflection of all the things in the world that are the illusions that are not real. They just look that way. But it's a reflection. Is that image in the mirror real? Or is it an image of the real? Is it true? Or is that true? And the mirror is just reflecting the truth. Well, we have believed that that reflection in the mirror is true, and that's why we're so caught up in it. And we keep trying to change the mirror. We keep trying to change our self-image. you got to give up changing your self-image. Changing the self-image comes out of fear and judgment. Oh, my God, I'm so ugly. Oh, my God, what are other people going to think? Oh, my God, right? Oh, my God, look at that. Look at that divine reflection of myself. I just love it. I accept myself just the way I am. Screw everybody else who doesn't like it, but I love myself just the way I am. Well, that's part of it. It's funny because when I talk about communication and people talk about standing in the truth, at the beginning they often think it's, well, I'm going to stand in my truth and tell them what it is. This isn't about telling people off. It's about standing in your truth and living your truth, not about telling everybody. And That's right. Thank you. I was trying to be nice today and not use that language. Never works, though. It's part of the world and what it is. That's the energy. Because whenever we're dealing with the illusion or the reflection, it's always going to have what often feels like a negative. That's a word we often use, is negative. Because that frequency that we call negative is really just the frequencies of the reflection that to the soul is very coarse and disturbing, grinding, grating, irritating. I was getting on a flow of consciousness with all that disturbing energy. Uh, do I keep going with that or should I go ahead and shift gears to make it finer, subtle, soft, nurturing, gentle, oh, warm fuzzies? And that's often what we'll associate with spirituality is the warm fuzzies. And it, because it often is. And each of us knows that inside of ourselves. So we go for the warm fuzzies or that subtle, gentle, loving, nurturing quality of the spiritual essence. These are the ways to recognize this. But then all of a sudden we're in that for a little while and something just yanks us right out of it. And then we're back in that grating, grinding, painful experience of the reflection. Energetic qualities, frequencies, vibrations. What was that song from long ago? Good Vibrations? <laughs> It's that kind of stuff. So as we move into this action of meditation, it is the way by which we can begin to not only sort through, but awaken to and know more of these frequencies that we can label or put words or descriptions on, which can be very useful when we're communicating here. 
But the communication is really one anyway of just attempting to become more aware and awake and learn what those frequencies are that are either disturbing and grinding or subtle, soft, lifting. That's all we're doing here in these gatherings like this. It's just putting words so that as we listen or hear, we look inside and start to, through that looking inside, we can begin to discover and learn what all those frequencies are. And as we learn them, well, guess what? Part of soul liberation and karmic fulfillment is learning what those frequencies are. When you learn the frequency, there's the fulfillment. When you know what disturbance is, whatever it is, and you allow yourself to say, okay, you know what? I am going to be present here and now in my disturbance. How often do you do that? Oh, thank you, God. I'm so grateful for all this disturbance. <laughs> joy. Oh, joy. How many of us do that? Hell no. We go in there and judge the heck out of it. Why am I so miserable? What are you doing to me? What did I do to myself? What they did to me, those rotten. That's what we usually do, causing more separation, trying to push away the disturbance in our reaction. And what are we doing? How are we trying to push it away? We match it with the same kind of energy. It's exactly the same. Our reaction is the very frequency that put us into reaction that we're reacting to. Did it put us into reaction? Or did we put it into reaction and then it came back? What was first? Cause and effect or effect and cause? Chicken or the egg? Egg or the chicken? Who did it first? That's their fault. Always comes back to the creator. Everything. All your own reactions. Maybe not this life. Maybe not last life. Maybe a billion years ago you put something out and hell, this universe is so big it just took a long time to come back. And all of a sudden you're disturbed. But what do we do in our reaction? We try to protect ourselves, to deflect or reflect that energy from coming into us back out into creation. So what are we doing? We're still promoting that energy that we created to begin with through our reactions and protection, fears and judgments. We're actually continuing the process now of cause and effect, cause and effect. Oh, yeah, it went out for the moment. Then we quiet down. We're not so reactive. Oh, and then here it comes back again. I thought I was done with that. No, you weren't. All you did was deflected for a moment. Here it comes back. Sooner or later, you're going to have to deal with it. It's just a choice. You want to deal with it now or you want to deal with it later? That's all it is. That's where your choice is. Freedom of choice. Well, you had freedom of choice when you created it in the first place. And some of our creations we really like. And it's usually the creations we don't like that we just want to keep deflecting. But we created it. And sooner or later, we are going to take responsibility for our creations. It's just a matter of when. So that's the other freedom of choice. When do you want to deal with it? Not if, or do I get to or not? When do you want to deal with it? Well, see, most of us aren't going to deal with it because it's totally disturbing, and, and we don't know how to deal with it. So we will keep deflecting and reflecting it back out into creation. But every time it comes around, it gives us an opportunity to learn from it now, to be open to what is there for us, to fulfill that which we put out and does now come back to us. 
the creator, cause, and effect come back. So a lot of what happens when we begin this journey of spiritual fulfillment and awakening is that we're going to learn how to handle a lot of those creations that have caused disturbance. And that's where the LAF comes in. When we can love, accept, and forgive, that takes away all the shields and now allows the creation to come back to its creator and be fulfilled. That's all we have to do is allow that to come back to us. And just in that alone, it's going to be fulfilled. Because by allowing it, it's another way of saying we accept it back into ourselves. And that is an action of loving. Really, there's only one thing. It's loving. Acceptance is one expression of loving. Forgiveness is an expression of loving. So as we accept it back in, is how we are now loving it. And in that loving, it fulfills the karma. It fulfills the lesson. And as we take it in, all of a sudden it becomes clear. We see it. We went, oh my God. And then we actually do go into gratitude. So I make the jokes. Oh, I'm so, I mean, I'm so grateful for this wonderful disturbance in my life. But that's what it becomes. Use it like an affirmation. I am so grateful for the disturbance in my life. I created it. Why not be grateful for my creation rather than judge it? Thank you for the opportunity to create and have experience. There's so many ways we can do this that will actually support us and lift us up rather than keep causing separation in our consciousness with ourselves, others, and God. Just start accepting, start loving, start allowing, be open. Literally, be open. Sooner or later, you will. Every soul will, sooner or later, let go of the defense mechanisms and stop trying to protect itself because sooner or later, we're going to realize all that does is keep causing separation. And that separation that we keep creating and allowing is what separates us from God when we so badly want God, when we so much want to experience loving and acceptance and forgiveness, when we so much want to be done with this creation. But this is a way by which we can do that. This is a way by which we can do that. And back to meditation we go. LAF, meditate. LAF, meditate. Oh, teacher, teacher, can you help me understand how this works? Sure, no problem. Okay, here you go. Okay, back to LAF and meditate. Back to LAF and meditate. Oh, I had this awareness. I'm starting to get an idea, but I'm not sure. Could you help me understand it greater? Okay, let's have an afternoon Sunday gathering, a potluck sharing and Q&A. That'll help me get greater clarity and understanding. And back out into the world I go, and then I get to work it. Oh, LAF and meditate, LAF and meditate. So now all of you guys can say, what's the answer to every question? Not meditation, it's meditation and LAF. But what are those both? Loving. Somebody's been listening now who's been saying that. It's all about loving. Meditation's all about loving. LAF is all about loving. Meditation and LAF are simply expressions or ways in which we can begin to experience the loving. And that's the key. That's why you hear us in here when we say meditation. We say this meditation that we teach in Interlight Ministries is only about loving. Loving God and allowing God to love you. 
Oh, it seems like polarity. Well, guess what? We are in polarity. But in the polarity, when you acknowledge it and accept it, okay, here's my experience. My experience is polarity right now. I'm in the experience of separation from God. Wow, there's loving and acceptance. I am so mad. I'm so sick and tired and hurting from all this. Well, self-pity just gives you more self-pity, more pain, but we all do it. But then eventually we go, okay, that hurts too much. And then we start to relax, and then we get more open, and then all of a sudden the love comes in, and now the acceptance, and then I forgive myself for being so pitiful or whatever. <laughs> we do. We have to love and forgive all these things we do with ourselves and not make it wrong. Oh, my God, I said, don't judge. Don't make it wrong. Oops. Go ahead. Judge it. Make it wrong. Just remember to forgive yourself and to love it. And that's always the key. And you just keep coming back to that. You'll get free. You'll clear your karma. You'll get liberated. And you will wake up and know the divine living, loving essence that you are and your oneness with God. You'll even know what God is in the process. There's the oneness. So in other words, here it appears we're separate from God. So in this experience of separation, there's just a way and means by which we can begin to mend the separation and begin to once again awaken and know our oneness. As we hear Jim often saying here, one day you wake up and realize you never left the heart of God. In truth, you've always been one with God. I've never been in separation. All you did was turn away. And in looking away from God and looking down and out into this creation here, we followed that movement of consciousness and are now just experiencing the looking away. And all we're doing in meditation is now turning back towards God so that now that's our experience. So we're doing all these things, meditation, LAF, F-U-N, F-U-C-K, whatever you want to call it. It's all about now letting go of our focus down and out in this world. Well, you guys remember that one, right? Forgiveness unconditionally clears karma. <laughs> so that's just another way to let go and simply focus back towards God. And in that focus, then we're going to get to experience what we're focusing on. And meditation is just focusing on that. That's the simplicity on this. Keep it simple. It's very practical. It's very practical. And when you live that practicality in that way, then the magic happens. Your life will change. And it can be quite amazing and awesome what changes in the things that you can experience on these other levels of consciousness are just extraordinary to this world. And spirit is very ordinary, but to this world, it's extraordinary. And that's what we want because that part of us that is asleep maybe right now, the soul, still knows it. Even if it's at an unconscious level, we know this. And we're going to borrow a phrase Jim shared years ago from the very beginning when he started sharing about this journey. One of the things that Spirit shared with him to share with people is just remind people, we're not telling you anything new. We're just helping you remember what you've forgotten. Those aren't the exact words to remember. It was something else. But that's it. Jim and I aren't teaching you anything new. We're not telling you. We're just helping to remind you simply what you've forgotten. Because we all know this. It's all inside of each of us. 
And having a discussion and sharing is simply a way by which we can assist in that remembering process or returning, returning process back towards God. And that's what every spiritual teacher does. Spiritual teacher is simply one who has remembered, who has experienced, who has woken back up and know their oneness with God, and they're just simply here sharing that, what that is, how they did it, so that those that are ready can also do the same. Keep it simple, soul. New kiss. Keep it simple, soul. K-I-S-S. Because eventually we do go from stupidity to wisdom, so we can keep it simple, whether you're in your stupidity or in your, in your soul. That was fun. Thank you. Well, for me, the pathway really is very simple. And it really is very simple for all of us. If we just keep our focus inward and upward, if we just keep our focus on God, if we just keep putting God first in all that we do, the path gets really simple. Because then we're putting things in the proper level of importance. It's all about God. Because we ourselves, the soul, is God in the world. So why not put your soul first? Why not put that aspect of God that dwells in you first and begin to live more into that essence of the truth of who you are? I have found it very easy to live in the loving to live in the accepting, to live in the forgiveness, focus of meditation when I put God first. When I put the world first, other people say more important than what I know, I forget God. I stop looking inward and upward, and I'm focused in the world, and I get caught up in the chaos of the world. But if I stay focused inward and upward, in my day, in my meditation, even in my dreams, then my life is very simple. It's all an action of loving. And the chaos becomes quiet. There is no turmoil. There is no pain. There is no separation. It's very interesting. A few months ago, somebody asked about this whole thing of living in separation. And how is it we're caught up in separation, but yet at the same time I say that we're in the heart of God. We never left, and one day you'll wake up and you'll know that. And when they asked that question, I saw them as a child. And I saw them being held by God as a child would be held by its parent. Instead of the child looking at the parent, the child was looking out into the world like, oh, look at all the toys, look at all the fun. And all it could see was what was out there. And all the time, the parent was talking to the child and telling it things that the child really wanted to hear. But it was always looking out there. In that instant, I knew that all it would take is for the child to turn back around and really just focus on the parent that was present there and really connect with the loving that was there and they would have everything they wanted. But because they turned away, now their focus was out there, and they thought that that's what they wanted. 
all that glitter, all that glamour, all that toy, all that fun. And that's what's happened with the soul. When we as soul were dwelling in the realms of spirit fully, and all of our focus and all our attention and all our consciousness was in the soul realm, where we as soul was created by God, we lived ever looking to God because we lived in God's loving, we lived in God's flow, we lived in God's light, we lived in God's sound. And there was no place that we could look that God wasn't. But then we looked down and out for a moment and we looked into the world and realms of reflection and we got caught up in the reflection. Have you ever been at the ocean and the sun is setting and all of a sudden the light hits the water in such a way that there's a million sparkles across the surface of the water as the water is just kind of gently bouncing around? And it's just amazing to see all that light shimmering. Well, that's how it was for the soul. When we were in the realm of soul and we looked out upon the waters of this creation, of the physical world. And what does it say that God stirred the waters? And all of a sudden, in that stirring, in that movement of the waters of this creation, we got caught up in all the sparkles that appeared in that stirring up of the water. And we went and began to pursue those sparkles, trying to figure out, what is that? Where did that come from? How does that work? Oh, God, that's so beautiful. I want to get closer. I want to go into those sparkles. And before long, we were so caught up in chasing after the world of reflection that we lost sight totally, lost memory, lost knowing of the realms of soul, the realms of spirit and of God. And we, for the most part, have been chasing after all these reflections in this world ever since. And that's just fine. God's fine with it. If we choose to go after the reflection, God will let us do it. Isn't that what a parent does? Eventually the parent has to say, well, go, now go have your experience. I've taught you the best I can. I've given you all the tools and the wisdom I have to give you. And if you feel you need to go do that, then you go do that to find out on your own if that's really true or not, if that works for you or not. And that's what God did. God said, hey, then go have fun. Enjoy wherever it is you're going to go. Isn't that the story of the prodigal son? The soul left the palace of the father and went out into the world to have experience. Well, that's what we did. But the nice thing is, we didn't really leave the palace of the Father. We are right there now. The soul did not leave. It's just our attention has been attracted away. Our focus and our awareness is focused into the reflection, even though our soul remains in the realm of spirit right now. We are in the hands of God. We are being cradled right in God, right now, as soul, in perfect loving, in perfect joy, in perfect peace. It's just that we, as soul, are looking away 
and believing something that isn't really true. Meditation is a way by which to begin to connect back to the truth. Instead of looking down and out into the world of reflection, you're asked to look inward and upward. And that inward and upward motion of moving your awareness back to its original state is allowing you to begin to remember. And that's a key in meditation, looking inward and upward and holding your attention ever upward, ever upward, and let it ever move higher and higher in the awakening action to where you can fully awake into the arm of God and be there as a loving soul that you are and realize you never left. You looked into the world of illusion. You went asleep and having a great dream. Well, maybe it's not such a great dream. Maybe it's kind of a bad dream, but it's a dream. And the key now is to wake up. Just as Rumi said, wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. And so by going in our focus inward and upward, we're beginning to choose into that action of waking up once again. We're choosing not to go to sleep again. We're going to bring ourselves awake. And every time you sit down to meditate, you wake up a little bit more and a little bit more. I mean, it'd be great if you could sit down and in five minutes wake up fully and the knowing that you are in God's arms, that you are in God that you never left. But you have all the illusion that you have standing between you and God. All these beliefs, all these desires, all these things that have been put on you, all these things that you've put on your own consciousness having to do with the illusion that you have to make your way through. And that may take a little while to do. And for some, it's very discouraging because they sit down Well, I didn't get it in the last hour, so forget it. (laughs) You know, I used to work at a health food store. I managed three stores here in Austin. I managed several in San Antonio years before that. I was a clinical nutritionist. And I would get people coming in. The doctors would send them sometimes. Sometimes they would come on their own wanting to know, what can I take for my arthritis? What can I take for headaches? What can I do for this and that? And many people would come in because they had cancer and they'd go, okay, so what vitamins do I take? I don't want this cancer. I've got to get rid of it. I've got to get healed. And I'd tell them, you know, it took you a long time to develop cancer, to develop the situation in your body where you have arthritis or an immune factor. And it's going to take a while for you to rebuild the body again. And you may have let the body tear down so much They may never really rebuild it back up to where it was originally. But you can rebuild. So you want to take these vitamins, you want to take these minerals, you want to take these enzymes, you want to take these supplements on top of that, you want to take this herbal combination. And people would look and go, are you kidding me? I just came in here for a pill. You know, I just want a pill, and I want to take the pill a day, and it'll be gone. And I go, then go to the doctor. He'll give you a pill. You take that pill a day, 
And maybe the pain will be gone. Maybe the disturbance and distress will be gone. And who knows, maybe even the cancer will be gone because it'll be a chemotherapy tablet. But I don't have that here. I have things that are going to build you up and help to restore you back to where you were. And if that's what you want to do is the restoration, then these are the things to do for the body. Well, what we're sharing here is the restoration of your soul. But it's not the same kind of restoration that I'm talking about with the body. There's nothing you have to build up, nothing you have to change with the soul. The restoration is restoring the knowing of itself as a spiritual essence and allowing it to live as a spiritual being fully all the time as much as you can. And that's what meditation does. Meditation pulls the awareness that has been trapped into the world through the mind, and it begins to pull that awareness back up, 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 and above the mind to where the soul can once again wake up to itself fully. Wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. When the soul came into this creation, it couldn't experience in the physical world. Because it's spirit. And this physical creation is physical, material in nature. It is not spiritual. Not at all. And in truth, it's all illusion. It doesn't even really exist. It's a world of reflection. You look into the mirror of a reflection of yourself or of a room, and it looks real, but try reaching for that glass that's sitting on the table. Try fixing your hair in the mirror and see what happens. It's a reflection. It is not real. So this action of meditation is drawing your attention away from the world of reflection and bringing your attention back into the true, into the real. It's withdrawing that which is the soul essence that is trapped through the mind and its focus into the world that has gotten caught in the body, in your imagination, in your emotions, and in your mind, and pulling it all back up once again to the spiritual eye center above the mind and giving the opportunity for the soul to stop looking down and out because of the direction the mind has been pulling it and allow it to once again look up. That's why we keep looking up. Inward and upward, inward and upward, inward and upward. Inward, we're drawing the soul essence up. And upward, we're moving the soul's attention back home to where it came from. And then we go home. And going home is just wake up. We just wake up and we know, oh my God, I'm here. I've always been here. I've never left. And then... I'll tell you, once you begin to glimpse just the inkling of the true light, just as I talked about earlier, seeing all those sparkles on the ocean surface, once you begin to see the source of that light that is a reflection on the water, you'll never look at the water the same again because it's such a weak nothingness of reflection compared to the truth of the light that it is reflecting. 
And then you'll always look to that light because it's so much more intense and so much more beautiful than anything in this creation. Anything. And I just give it all to God and I say, I am with you, God, wherever you want to take me, whatever you want. That's what I want. And I wish I did it all the time, but there are times the world will throw something into my path and I go into reaction. And I may stay in reaction for a while, but that's okay because I know that's how the world works and I know how this body works. But I also know how to get out of the reaction and that is to look back upward, to look to God and to do LAF with it, whether it's with another person or a situation or with myself. And oftentimes it's about myself. I'm the one who went into reaction the world came in and just teased me and tickled me and got me to react. Maybe it was a painful tickle, but it was a tickle. And all I have to do is go back in and forgive myself and love myself and accept myself in this situation and then look to see how do I handle it now. And maybe I have something I've got to do that I just don't want to do. Maybe I have to take the responsibility for an old action that caused reaction in the world. And now I've got to take responsibility and bring it into balance in the world so it can come back into balance inside myself. It's a lot of different things that can be going on. But if you just keep the loving moving ever before you, everything opens up, reveals itself, and eventually, if not immediately, it comes quiet. I say eventually because our own wishes and desires will also get intermixed with it and it might make it linger more. If it's somebody else's stuff, it's very easy to let go of. If it's your stuff, it's not so easy sometimes. But the key is you keep doing it. Find what works for you and keep doing it. Isn't that what? Well, that's what my mom told me to do. I don't know what your mom told you to do. Maybe she just said, no, turn around and run the other way. <laughs> that works too. The problem is, have you ever been in a dream where you come up against a monster and you start running and the monster starts running after you? So really turning around and running the other way doesn't really work because the situation just follows after you. But if you stop and turn around and face it, more than likely the monster's going to dissolve. It's going to go away. I've done that in dreams. And once you face it in loving, once you face it and accept it just as it is, it often just dissolves or else it transforms. My brother, when I was younger, not just on Halloween, but every so often during the year, he had these horror masks. And he would put a horror mask on and hide in a closet hide outside the back door, hide under my bed and jump out. That I really didn't like. <laughs> All kinds of things. Then I would have dreams about it. And I learned in the dream to turn around and just yell at him, you know, because of what he was doing. And then I just learned to turn in the dream and look at him and go, oh, hi, 
And so I tried doing that one day when he jumped out and scared me. It wasn't quite as easy as in the dream because I was still like, I didn't like it. I was bad. I wanted to hurt him. I wanted to run away. I wanted to do all this stuff. But I went finally, oh, hi. And he looked at me. He had the mask pulled up and he looked at me and he says, aren't you afraid? Well, I had been. (laughs) But I said, no, I knew it was you. And he never did it after that. Never did it again because it was like no more fun for him. Well, that's kind of how it is on the inner levels. Once you stand up to the energy, it's like, well, no use chasing after him. He's no fun. Let's go chase them. They're still afraid of us. The consciousness of the physical world ever wants to keep us in fear. It's up to us to step above the fear. It's up to us to move past the fear and stand in the truth of who we are as loving, as forgiving, as accepting, as our own true power. Not to be in reaction, but to be in action. And that's a key to loving, accepting, and forgiving. When you're in the process of loving, accepting, and forgiving, you are taking action. And in taking action, you take charge in your life. And isn't that what we all want? We want to take charge. We want to have control of our life. We're so tired of other people controlling us. And believe me, as long as you're in a physical body, there are going to be sources in the world ever trying to control you or maybe even having control over you in the physical. I mean, tomorrow you have to pay your taxes or somebody's going to have control over you and say, why didn't you pay your taxes? And that control then makes you pay your taxes. So that's going to happen. But how do you approach that action? But to see that light, you've got to spend time withdrawing your attention from this world, pulling the soul back inward and upward above the mind so that the soul's attention can turn once again back to its source, back to the truth, back to its home, and just wake up. And then you meditate every day, waking up more, waking up more. And every time you do, The illusions that you have been holding on to, the illusions that have been blocking you from living in the truth of who you are in God right now, begin to fall away because your frequency is going so much higher into the realms of spirit that the illusions can't hold on to you anymore. And the nice thing is you can't hold on to them. That's even a greater blessing because one thing I've seen especially when people are first starting to wake up and the illusions start to slip away, is for the person to turn back down and go, wait, 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 don't go away. Where are you going? And they try to bring all that illusion around them and hold on to it and keep it right here near them while they're looking to God. Well, eventually, you can't hold on to it. You can't hold on to it because it becomes so heavy. The essence of the world is so heavy, it just falls away. And you realize, after a while, you just don't want it anymore. You don't need it anymore. It doesn't serve you. And it certainly isn't fulfilling you. I remember when I was in high school, and I finally took a subject I was really good at. 
And I was getting all A's, all A's, all A's, because I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I began to feel like somehow I could take that out into the world and have the world be that, just like that class where I would be getting all A's. And I graduated, and I went out and got my first job, and it was nothing like what I had imagined it to be. All of a sudden, the world created more separation and more judgment and more unworthiness inside myself because that's what the world offers us. That's what the world does to keep us in our place, to keep us trapped here. And at the same time, it was offering all this other glamour well, if you do all these things and you get them done right, you can become a manager or an assistant manager. And if you become an assistant manager or a manager, here's the amount of money you're going to make. Yeah, you're not making any money right now. You can't live off of this. But if you become this, you'll become a manager and you'll make all this money. So I started working towards that goal. Just like the teacher in high school told me and told all of us, if you want to make an A in this class, you're going to have to work for it. Well, at first I didn't like that. But the way he taught, it was very inspiring. It was very much an enjoyment. And the thought of getting this A by doing all this extra work was an enjoyable action. And I learned to really enjoy the process of learning, the process of doing for me, I was doing it for me because I wanted the A. And so I decided to apply that to becoming a manager. And eventually I did become a manager. And eventually there was more money there. And at first, for a little second, it was like, wow, this is it. Oh my God, this is great. I'm here. I'm doing it. But have you ever had that happen? where all of a sudden you get exactly what you wanted, you get that partner in your life, you get that car, you get that job, you get the position, you get the money, or whatever it is, and for a moment, it's everything. You're just so happy because you've done it. And then the responsibilities of it come on you, the actions and reactions of it come on you, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden the glamour and the glitz is gone, and you're right back into the world once again, wondering, well, that didn't fulfill it. So now what? I have found that the only place I find fulfillment, true fulfillment, is inside. And the true fulfillment for me is living in the essence of the loving that is in soul. To living in that loving presence of God. To be able to look inward and upward and there's God, there's that light, there's the sound, there's the peace, there's the truth. And when I do loving, accepting, and forgiving in the world, and I still do it, because the world is ever going to throw things at you to try to get between you and God. I just look up and I love whatever that is. I love it, I accept it, I forgive myself, for allowing it in. I forgive them for trying to put it upon me. I remember the very first job I had, and the very first time I 
did my taxes. I went to H&R Block. I sat down. We went through everything. And I owed a little bit of money. And I thought, oh, man, I really can't afford this. This is terrible. I, I wanted money to come in, but for some reason I owed a little bit of money. And I went and I was in meditation and I could feel this irritation between me and God. I could just feel this energy blocking me from going up. And I said, okay, I'm not going to let you stop me. I don't want anything between me and God. What do I have to do here? And I heard a voice inside say, give it up. Just give it up. And pay the taxes, but do it in joy. And I went, yeah, right, pay the taxes in joy. <laughs> really be joyful in paying my taxes. All right. So I did my meditation. I finally got past it, and I was above it. And as I was coming down, there it was. Well, usually if I would get past it, it would not be there anymore or it would be so weak it wouldn't really be a barrier. But I was coming back down and it was a barrier. It was there. And then I realized I really have to do something about this. And I've got to do it the way I was shown, be joyful in it. So I came on back through, came into my body, got up, and I went right to my checkbook and I got my checkbook and I got my taxes and I wrote out the check and I did it as, as much loving as I could. And I said, I love the opportunity to pay the government these taxes. I love that I live in this country. I love this opportunity of serving in this way. And I tore the check out and I put it in the envelope and all of a sudden everything was quiet. It was all peaceful inside. So I thought, I'm going to find out. I sat down. I closed my eyes. I went back inside in meditation. I looked up, and it wasn't there. It was wide open right into God. Wide open. And I went, oh, my gosh. That's when I realized how much these little irritations in the world can stand between us and God. And ever since then, if I owe money to the government for my taxes, I do it in loving. I pay it in loving. I pay it in gratitude. And it makes all the difference. Aren't we told, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and to God that which is God's? Well, God doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money because God is of soul, of spirit. Money doesn't have any value to the realms of spirit. And God showed me his private printing press anyway. He can print any currency he wants. <laughs> He's got all kinds of gold. <laughs> so he wants your soul to wake up and know the truth of itself once again. That's what God wants. And Caesar wants his money. So to keep it in balance, give God your soul and give Caesar his gold. And just know that this is the function of these two creations, of these two realities. To fight it, to make it wrong, it's not going to serve you. So, keep God first. In any situation, find God. With people I get really upset with or angry with, or they're angry with me and coming at me, 
I look to see the God in them first. I look right up here and I say, Lord, I know you dwell in them just as you dwell in me. And I want to be in loving with you. And I don't want anything to come between me and you. So let me find a way to be with you now in joy and in peace and in loving. And I ask that you be at peace and joy and loving with the God that dwells in me. And it helps me to just begin to find words by which I can communicate in a way that loving comes awake and alive in the action. Play with it, but keep God first. And you're going to find your life changing. And do your meditation every day, however long it is or however short it is, and have God first in there. And you're going to find your days will change. Maybe not that day on the first day of your meditation, but as you do it, you build up the power of loving inside. You build up the power of loving in the world with you. And your life and your days are going to change. And that I do know. I have lived it and I have witnessed other people living it as well. And it takes time. People that get initiated and receive the sacred name of God and begin to use that sacred name of God over and over in their meditation, they wake up and they begin to live the truth of their soul awakening. But it doesn't happen in one week. It doesn't happen in one month. It may not happen for a year. It may not happen for three years. It takes the time it takes. You just keep doing it until it happens. But when it happens, your life is transformed. Not the world. I wish the world was transformed. But your life is transformed in the way you live into the world and move in the world. And even how the world will respond to you is transformed. 